Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 107 Audiocast. Today, we'll be exploring the design process at 107. I'm Ivan Stegic, 107's founder and president. Joining me today is Eva Lavisa Nelson, our primary designer, and Madeline Lowry, our technical project manager. Good morning. Good morning. I wanted to start talking about the fact that we used to be a technology-only company that supported designers and that we've really evolved into a firm that's concerned with the whole user experience. And so to talk about the design process today, I wanted to think about what we do at 10.7 and how it might be the same or different to designing for a WordPress site. Of course, we're a Drupal shop. You might also be thinking that it's different to designing for a static site. And so I kind of wanted to go through what the design process looks like from both of your perspectives, Madeline and Eva. But I wanted to start with Eva. So when I think about a project we're working on, and I think about the site's user experience, inevitably, I think about Eva. I, I always trust that the visual details that the site will need will be in her purview. And I really think about you, Eva, as our brand custodian. So with that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what keeps you busy during the day? Thank you so much for the kind introduction. Websites are my favorite thing to design. So I, I love working with you guys. It's a perfect fit. I went to school at a place called Brain Co. like 10 years ago now for interactive design. And that's where I got really excited about websites. And I've just, you know, I've worked at other agencies in the past doing web design. And, and now I've been doing it on my own for uh, about five years now and partnering with multiple shops and I just love it. It's fun because it's uh, always changing. Like the field is always developing something new and it's just really fun. And you mentioned that you think web design is your favorite thing. So you, you're, you spend time doing other kinds of design. What else do you do? Oh, I also do um, identity design, so uh, logos and a little bit of illustration and, and print design as well. There's always print design in there too, but I, I really love websites. They're fun and they're kind of more of a team effort. You know, there's way more people involved in websites. And what percentage do you think you spend doing kind of the digital interactive aspect of, of your daily routine? That's probably... 70 or 80 percent of 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 the work i have right now yeah wow that's that's a great deal isn't it yeah and the other person in the room is madeline she's our technical project manager i also think of you madeline as our wrangler our chief wrangler of jira but you also have experience in marketing and business development and you've run your own company as well and designing a site really isn't just about timelines and design proofs and approvals and so on. So your role is kind of more than just dates and pushing things from one from the beginning to the end. What else do you do in the whole design process outside of shepherding the project from beginning to end? Yeah, that's kind of interesting because I don't think that this was probably in my job description when I took the role as project manager. But, you know, just like all roles, they evolve. And I became more involved in the first phase of work, which we call the discovery phase, which is where we 
work with a client to determine what their business requirements are, as well as, you know, their branding requirements, their aesthetic, their hopes and dreams, really, for their, for their new site. And having been involved in that phase, when we move to the next phase, which is wireframes going to design, typically, then I work with Eva, and we just sort of bounce ideas off each other. Eva is fantastic in that she can absorb a lot. She has almost an intuitive sense about interpreting what they want, often when they can't really express in words what it is that they desire for their new site. I think that we work pretty collaboratively to make sure that we cover sort of everything that we uncovered in the discovery phase and, and have a really good working prototype in InVision to show to the client as a first round. So you mentioned the discovery process, and those are usually very different depending on the project we're working on, depending on the client. They kind of have a very similar thread through them, even though they might be different. Sometimes there will be a long process of gathering a lot of customer data. Sometimes there'll be a side audit. Sometimes there'll be content strategy. Sometimes we've had a relationship with the client for a long time, and so we can really get through that process quickly. You mentioned that Eva is able to take all this information in and synthesize it. And I agree. I think that happens quite delightfully and very easily, at least from my point of view. What are the deliverables? Like, what are the things that you actually give to Eva that starts her design process? Well, often Eva's present in the last set, at least in the last set of discovery meetings with the client. So she gets to meet them and I think get a sense for who they are, the identity of the company beyond the branding, but you know, the, the personalities involved usually have some documents that we can give her. Sometimes what I do is I create a design brief when there's a lot of documentation, you know, I don't want her to spend 20 hours reading through all that. So I try to distill it down into a design brief for her sort of a summary of what we got out of the whole discovery process. And then Oftentimes, there are wireframes that go along with that. And so it's really not just the design that you're concerned about. It's really the whole brand identity, the whole brand itself, and what it needs to do and look like online. Why is it important, Eva, that we consider the whole brand and in, in its entirety and not just take the logo of the company or the organization and put it in a template and kind of tweak it for the navigation that that particular site architecture might need? Yeah, we want to have a consistent look and feel across their brand involving all touch points. So whether somebody just got their business card and then they see the URL on there, they type it in. Like they, You don't want to surprise people in a bad way. They want to be reassured they're in the right place. So I always love to have, if, if a company does have a style guide, that's a wonderful thing to have at the beginning, just so I know the rules to play by. And if there's wiggle room here and there, you know, uh, or if they're updating things, like that's a really good tool for me. And if we don't have a style guide, that's something that you can produce, right? Yes, absolutely. If some people don't have them, that's totally fine. We can, we can work with what they have and create a system for them. And then they can use that in the future too with their other projects if somebody asks for, for something. Right. And once you've received all of these assets from Madeline from 107 and you've been in meetings with clients and you kind of gotten to know them, you go back to your office and you 
look outside the window and you stare into the, into the beautiful blue sky for hours on end until inspiration hits you and then you whip out that design in 10 minutes. Is that how that works? <laughs> no, um, it's, it's usually I read through the documents that Madeline puts together for me or, or if we're using um, content from the website, the current website, if they're doing a rebrand, I will read through as much of the content as I can just so I get a sense of what's involved here and what things to think about. And then I start sketching on, on paper. And so I'll just sketch little thumbnails, as many possibilities of, okay, how, what could this homepage look like? What could this about page look like? And I'll go through and I cross out any of them that aren't going to work well for mobile. And I star ones that I'm like, I really like this. And then I just keep going and I end up with all my little starred layouts. And uh, then I turn them into designs on the computer. And so it's, there's a lot of like sketching in between and trial and error before I show you guys initial designs. So initial designs really are evolved sketches that you've done on paper. Are, are those sketches in color or black and white? They're just whatever pen color I have. Yeah, they're just... I literally just take scratch paper. I got lots of it around from other meetings, handouts and whatnot. And I just recycle and uh, draw as many little thumbnail sketches on a page as I can fit on there. And so they're messy and it's quick, but it, it gets my ideas out of my head and in front of me real quickly. So I like it. And then, the, and then, you, then you go to your computer and you, and you start looking at those thumbnails, those little sketches, and you start putting things together. We used to use Photoshop exclusively. Now we're using Sketch. Do you have a preference? Do you, do you like one better than the other? Are you secretly using Quark or InDesign and then converting that to something that we're seeing? What does what the digital part of the process look like? Previously, like um, I was using Photoshop. I was a hardcore Photoshop person and I, I still love Photoshop, but I've been getting more and more into, into Sketch and I really love Sketch now. So um, that's what I've been moving all my projects forward with is Sketch exclusively now. And yeah, I, I literally will replicate my sketches into the Sketch document and I'll just make it rough. So I'll just have gray boxes. It'll be kind of like a wireframe. And then mm. I'll put the text in or, or just placeholder, Laura Mipsum text or whatever, just so I get a sense, okay, this is how this page is shaping up. Okay, I can rely on this idea I had in my sketch. It is translating well. And I just keep going with that for as many pages as I need to for this stage of the project. And then I'll start filling it in with actual photos, um, real colors. I'll put the real fonts in there, you know, spend more time finessing what the buttons look like. And you just kind of bring these, these sketches or wireframes to life. And that's, that's what you guys end up seeing in Envision. I, I love how Sketch really integrates well with Envision. And so then I can create something that the client can scroll through and you guys can provide feedback on. At what point do you think about Drupal? Or do you think about Drupal? I know about... You know, you've helped me think more about, okay, this is a component, this is a module. Can we reuse this module later by adding a different color behind it or whatnot? So I think about that more when, when I work with you guys about, okay, how can I make this easier for the developing team? And so it sounds like it's actually completely unnecessary to think about Drupal when you're designing it. It almost feels like those two are disconnected. Yeah. 
that probably means you're not thinking about WordPress or any other of the CMSs that exist out there when you're designing either. Yeah, not in a specific sense. I mean, certainly if like, okay, this part is going to be a dynamic thing somebody has to edit, then for sure it's a CMS in general that, you know, we're thinking about. But you're right, like it's it's not like one over the other specific things that you have to keep in mind. So that actually sounds really good because that means that you're putting the user's perspective in your head and you don't actually care what the back end of that system looks like. It's, it's the user's experience that counts. Absolutely. And I think as an interactive designer, I mean, that's, that's your number one job. Madeline, I can see on your face that you have a question or a comment about that. Yeah, I was thinking about what you just asked Eva, and I, I would say that, Eva, you probably were most aware of Drupal and the way we build things in Drupal when we were working on that site that has to do with adoptable animals. <laughs> um, because we, it was a big site build where we decided to use paragraphs. And so there's this desire to have a very modular, the landing pages are quite modular, and, and that was reflected in the design talk about that if that it was different a different design process for you than other sites you guys even had me create a really long page with like every possible thing that could happen on this page just so the dev team knew what to plan for and then the client could pick and choose what they wanted to actually have show up on that page in terms of design it was just like okay make these little modular strips or these components that can all they're kind of just like building blocks and you could rearrange them and have them show up or not show up that was a fun one so the design process is naturally an iterative thing right you you create something you prune the blemishes you show it to the client you refine it you get feedback you go back to pruning you you refine some more you show it to the client again. Do either of you feel like the design process is ever complete? I don't. I don't think it's ever complete. It's always, I mean, I, I come from an art background too, and it was just seems like whatever I was working on a painting or a drawing or anything like that, you just, you can always make it a little bit better, you know? <laughs> it was hard to stop. And with the web, it's not like a print project where you print it and you're done. You know, this is an evolving thing. And as the content on the site changes, as technology changes, as, um, you know, the goals of the client change over time, there's always things to add and improve. That's what's fun about it. Do you ever have a site that we've pushed live or that someone else has pushed live that you look at and you think, oh, man, I wish I'd made that color 10% lighter or boy, that logo could be tweaked and put five pixels this way or something like that. And if I'm able to talk to the developer like before that happens and like during the preview phase of before they launch it, I mean, that was, that's a great time to like take care of those things. But sometimes I don't always have access to that. But yeah, there's definitely times when that happens. Now, both of you have talked about um, Envision and we've mentioned Sketch. So those are... Those are the two tools that we use exclusively at 10.7 to manage this part of the process. And, and we kind of know that the design process really isn't ever finished, but we have to move what we've created visually and that the client has seen into development at some point. 
there's not really one hard handover anymore. When we first started 10 years ago, it was very much like it was back in the days of the print where you would get a final approval from a client before you started building something. Now it's a little more mushy. At what point, Madeline, do you know you're ready to start moving this into development? Because Eva's going to continue working on internal pages, on other tweaks. What's your line in the sand for saying this is now ready to go to dev? Depends on the client's uh, timeline. Depends on their um, comfort with us moving ahead with almost done designs. I mean, I think we just heard Eva say that they're always almost done, but I think we try to get it to about an 80% state of readiness before we start committing because once things, and and even higher would be better, right? In the ideal world, we have 100% done designs because once you get into the development phase, making changes to things costs more money. So we like to avoid that. But that being said, as we just you know discussed, there are always things that are not fully uh, fleshed out in the designs that come up later, or, or there are changes by the client, or there are changes that are suggested by the developers because they start building this thing and they start saying, "Gosh, you know, we wish this this were you know on the same side of the page so that we could make that sidebar contiguous," and so then we we do take some liberties with the actual designs that, that were approved by the client with their permission, of course. It's a fuzzy line. I, I can't say that there's a hard set of criteria. And once, once we start the development on a site and the, and the majority of the design framework is in place, Eva, you spend your time then fleshing out internal pages that they might not be completely intuitive for a developer to put onto a page and to code. So maybe it's a specific landing page that has a specific target audience or purpose. So I would imagine that your time then kind of goes down in the amount of time you're spending in design, but it also changes, doesn't it? What, how does it change? For internal pages, yeah, I mean it's it's different than a than a homepage. I mean, a lot of times homepages are kind of like an overview. The internal pages are more specific. There might be a specific function or you know something that we're trying to accomplish on those. Sometimes the developers might have inf- questions about. Um, sometimes the dev team isn't always in the meetings with us, so it might be some questions here and here, like, "Well, how does this supposed to function? You know, are these filters, or you know, what is what's going on here?" So I can help out that way. Is, is that what you're asking? I wasn't sure. <laughs> I think so, but I, I've noticed that you always get requests from us that aren't necessarily things we forgot to design in the beginning. They're things that evolve from the work that we've done. And so we might think of questions that we never thought of prior to actually doing the build. So an example might be you have a header image on a design that in the design looks like it has an overlay of a color. But when we implement it, we have to make the decision as to whether or not we want that overlay to be in the image itself that the client uploads or whether it's going to be in code because it happens everywhere on the site. So we we didn't anticipate that. So we come back to you with those kinds of 
consultative questions. And you're always so nice and are able to give us the best kind of advice we would, you know, we would hope for. But then there are also things like, oh, shoot, we, f- we really need these items cut out and separate than the sketch files. Um, could you make those for us? So I, like when I was thinking about it, it was like the nature of your interaction with us changes a little. And I was wondering if you, if you noticed that or if you kind of preferred that part of the process or if we were just being, it's just something that happens. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, absolutely. I love developers. I'm married to a developer. I mean, I, I have no problem with like the nuts and bolts kind of questions. And yeah, I, I cut out little like SVG icons for the team or if they need something. In terms of like the header image stuff, like I think that depends on, I always like to think, okay, what is the client's technical capability for managing their site in the future? And that plays a big role in how much we can help them out in that regard or if they'd rather alter images themselves. And also I think there's a lot of brainstorming that happens even we're just chatting on Slack with the dev team and Madeline too, all of us will be thinking about, oh, okay, well, what happens when this scenario happens? And then sometimes we'll go bring it back to the client because it's not a question that we can answer. And then all of us are thinking about this in a different way and it ends up being an even better solution. So I think that's always fun when that happens. Like, okay, we just solved this problem from a different angle and it's going to even be better in the end. And I think that's really worth it. I love that as well. The last question I would like to put to both of you is a little more general. I started asking it yesterday, kind of what is the tool set that you use on a daily basis that helps you and makes your job best it possible can be? And I'm, I'm thinking about software or hardware, whatever it is. I'm just kind of wondering what your tool set is. For me, I make lists on my computer with just a text editor that keeps me because I work on a lot of different projects at the same time. And so I keep my priority. I'm sure there's some fancy software that does this too, but this is just what I've been doing for years. I also use an accounting software for, called FreshBooks that keeps track of my time. And you guys use um, Jira, which is awesome too. And then I use my Sketch, my Photoshop, Envision. And yeah, yeah, and pen and paper. And paper, analog. I love it. And Madeline, I imagine you would say Jira is on top of your list. Yeah, Jira is there. Jira is there. <laughs> so that's how I manage, you know, tickets across the team. Um, lots of tickets, big team. I also use notebook and pencil. That's my go-to for my own sort of list of things to do. I'm not even up to the text editor level that Eva is at. I, we use a lot of Google apps, like we, you know, spreadsheets and, and documents so that we can work collaboratively. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of the 10.7 AudioCast. Eva and Madeline, thank you both for joining me today and for sharing your insights. Thank you for having us. Please visit us at 107.com and keep an eye out on the 10.7 blog for future episodes of the 10.7 AudioCast. This is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.